those voices that you hear in your head, you're right. That means it's time for another Friday edition of the Rutgers Scout Cast, a Scarlet Knights podcast on the Scout Network, talking everything Rutgers football, Rutgers athletics. I am your host, Sam Hellman, publisher of Scarlet Report, and I'm excited to bring you another fun episode this week as we transition from Big Ten Media Days into the start of the training camp season. We're only a couple days away now from real August practices in Piscataway. I'd like to thank everyone that checks us out every week on scarletreport.com. The best way to support the show is to make sure you subscribe and check us out. Tons of information coming all the time. It's a lot more than just a podcast. Feel free to ask me or, you know, any of our hundreds of subscribers what kind of access and what kind of information you can get if you check us out. You can always reach out to me and reference this podcast and I'll make sure to take care of you, get you an extended free trial to check out the site. For the hundreds of listeners we have that are already subscribers, thank you very much. You guys are my first priority and I'm excited to bring you another good show this week. It's the traditional show format this week. We, our guest this week is Ryan Dunleavy, one half of the NJ.com Rutgers football contingent. Ryan has moved from the Asbury Park Press to NJ.com in a big offseason shakeup in our little media family. So I talked to Ryan about that, and we talked plenty of Rutgers as well. Garrett, our newest staff member, joins me to discuss the news and the body of the show. Brian Doan is wrapping up a well-deserved vacation, our scout national recruiting analyst. We look forward to having Brian back on the show next week. Make sure you tweet him at Brian Doan Scout to bother him on his vacation. You know, I'm sure he really loves hearing from you guys, hearing questions about the latest on Marquise Bell or, hey, what's going on with Drew Singleton? Make sure to ask him on his Twitter, on his Facebook, while he's on vacation. If he doesn't answer the first time, I'm sure he just missed it, so ask him again. Before we get into the body of show, here's a couple of quick things that are on my mind that we won't be discussing in the news today. Starting off, something I'd like to touch on just because it's it's almost a relief when you, uh, when you check it out, just to think back where Rutgers was a few years ago. I'm still on all of the email lists and still on all the Twitter lists for the American Athletic Conference Media Day. So I enjoyed that blitz at the beginning of the week, talking about how Houston's the favorite to win the conference, talking about how Mike Oresco's thoughts on the conference, teams like Temple and Navy competing, and their really start to an AAC championship game. For me, it's almost like a cringeworthy remembrance of a few years ago and how rough of a spot it was for media, for Rutgers fans, for really all of Rutgers and how much things have changed since that famous Tim Pernetti, Jim Delaney announcement moving to the Big Ten. It's got to be a good feeling as a Rutgers fan if you've been committed to this for a while, knowing that, hey, I don't have to worry about AAC Media Day. I don't have to be the one watching my conference's commissioner talk about expansion, worrying about if my teams are going to leave for the Big 12. Rutgers doesn't have to worry about that anymore, and I know that it's frustrating sometimes for fans to think about, hey, why are we only getting you know $8 million, $10 million in this TV deal when you look at what a school like Purdue is getting within the same conference? Well, 
guess what? Don't worry about it. It's a heck of a lot better than where Rutgers was. And when we get to 2021, Rutgers is going to be in a great spot. With things like the new Big Ten TV deal, it allows Pat Hobbs, the athletic director, and we, we talked about this. You read it on the site, and we talked about this last week at Big Ten Media Day. It allows Pat Hobbs to tell President Robert Barchi to, to show the academic side of things. Look, this money is coming. Here's articles about it. Here's what the money has done for other schools. Look at Nebraska, which is becoming fully integrated. That's going to be Rutgers in a couple years. It's a long time coming from the AAC. So it was fun to go down memory lane. And I will say that the American has the best conference media day that I've ever attended in terms of its format and just having a good time. But it's nice to be moving away from that. And I would assume that most fans agree. One more quick thought before a word from our sponsor this week. Brendan Bordner, the uh, Hilliard Bradley three-star defensive end, has Rutgers in his final four after a second trip out to Piscataway from Ohio. I love where Rutgers stands in this. If Rutgers decides it wants to add Brendan Bordner, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the show when we talk about the whole ballad of Darius Stills. But here's the thing. He's come out twice, and scouts Bill Green, who I really trust with Ohio stuff, says Rutgers is in good shape here if it wants to be. Keep an eye on this kid because he's a really, really good kid. He's got good size. He has really good communications. Well, he's got better communication skills than I do, if you're hearing the way I'm trying to struggle through that sentence. But let me tell you, he's got a lot of what you like as a recruit because he can be vocal. He has a social media presence. He's respectful. So keep an eye on this kid. He wants to make a decision relatively soon because he's an early enrollment prospect. So there's a win-win too for Rutgers if Rutgers decides to go on him as he doesn't count against your 25 because you're getting him in early. But that's enough of my thoughts and what's on my mind this week. We're going to hear from our sponsor. And then when you come back from break, a conversation between myself and Ryan Dunleavy, who has never seen Star Wars. Okay, Ryan, before we get started, I want to I wanna tell everyone about a pretty cool opportunity that you can check out. Uh, don't skip ahead. This is actually really cool for the pro sports fans out there. You know, if you're a diehard Washington Wizards fan like I am, you're getting ready for training camp with the Jets and Giants. You're excited about Jay Bruce. I recommend checking this out. It's a cool opportunity for you listeners that I've been able to secure with our newest sponsor, and that's Fan Essentials. How would you like to get all of your favorite team's merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Check out fanessentials.net. All you do is pick your favorite sports team, and every month you get your team's gear shipped right to your door. How easy is that? They find the sports gear so you don't have to. Each fan box comes packed full with some really amazing gear. It makes a great gift idea for any sports fan. And prices start at just $34.99. Just for being a Rutgers ScoutCast listener, here's what I can give you. If you go to fanessentials.net and use our special promo code SCARLET, S-C-A-R-L-E-T, at checkout, guess what? You get 30% off your first month like that. Boom. Visit fanessentials.net to get all the essentials you need. And here's a special reward for some of our more devoted longtime listeners. Want a free month on us? Well, here's your chance. For the first person to tweet me the answer to this question, at Sam Hellman Scout or at Scarlet Report, you're going to be the winner. So get your pencils ready. Who is Julian Penix-Odrick's favorite Rutgers player of all time? 
First person to tweet me that wins a free month at Fan Essentials. FanEssentials.net. Check it out today. I'm a big fan, and I think that you guys will be too. Now here's Ryan. All right, welcome to the final Rutgers scout cast before training camp. It's the last day or two that we get to breathe on the Rutgers beat before the season starts, and I'm joined by not a new member to the beat, but someone that had an interesting offseason, and that's Ryan Dunleavy. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Sam. Saving the best for last on the uh, podcast, the last one before training camp. Yeah, well, I figure I've already interviewed, you know, ran out of ideas, so might as well start talking to whoever I can drag in and convince to waste some time with me. Yeah, that's, uh, I've been on the run out of ideas train before. Uh, yeah, interesting offseason, obviously. I'm not new to the Rutgers beat. Uh, covered Rutgers steadily for the last six years and uh, on and off since Greg Schiano's first year in 2001 when I was a Rutgers student, but now doing it at uh, NJ Advanced Media, NJ.com, with uh, both our buddies, Keith Sargent. You're uh, also the uh, third or fourth Daily Targum guy that's joined the podcast, which is a common theme. Yeah, the Daily Targum is a good training ground for people. Uh, it just seems like once you're there, though, you never leave Rutgers, whether it's me, you, or about a dozen other guys. Exactly. Uh, how are you enjoying your new gig? And what, what are the differences for you? Obviously, you're moving over from the Asbury Park Press, replacing Dan, who went to go cover the NFL. What what are the differences for you? How are you enjoying it? And how much does it stink that you have to work with Keith Sargent again? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I got to tell you, I... Uh, Working with Keith was one of the main draws for me to uh, to make the move. Uh, obviously, it's really honestly, it's really not that different. I mean, I know most of the people at Rutgers from having covered Rutgers. I know most of my colleagues like you and uh, Sarge and Politi. I mean, it, the funny thing about journalism, right, Sam, is that our colleagues are are rivals. Like where the people that you know you don't work every day with other people from Scout in your case right. or from the Ledger in my case, like. And you don't mean rivals like Bobby Darren. You mean rivals like competitors. <laughs> correct. Yes, correct. Although Bobby Darren, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So it's kind of a neat thing. Uh, it's really not that much different. I guess the uh, difference would be in terms of I'm getting a lot more uh, reader feedback, a lot more, in, uh, as you know, from your boards, which, you know, I read every day. Um, you'll never see me post, though. Uh, I know your secret screen. Yeah, man. it is a secret. Um, so, yeah, again, I'm getting a lot more reader feedback now, the NJ.com forums and Twitter and whatnot. It's just a little more high profile than what I was used to. So I'm enjoying that part of it. I, 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 like, uh, I like fan mailbags and stuff like that. So that's probably the biggest difference. Last thing before we talk a little Rutgers football, uh, NJ.com to a lot of Rutgers fans is the enemy. So you ready to become a villain? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I never saw it that way. I mean, uh, Obviously, they took a, uh, you know, obviously they were at the front of a lot of big stories last year, but as we, saw, right. as we saw, they ended up being true. So, uh, you know, it's kind of the same thing. I've, you know, I've told a lot of people, a lot of people I know around Rutgers who have had that same sentiment, and, you know, I'm going to still be me. Uh, a lot, hopefully a lot of people enjoyed reading my coverage. I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to write the same way. I'm still going to report the same way, and I'm still going to report the truth. Uh, Maybe the truth is different now than it was six months ago. It certainly seems that way. So, uh, but as it, I'll write it as it goes. As you're listening to this, uh, training camp's right around the corner, but we're actually recording this from Chicago, wrapping up Big Ten Media Day. 
What did you take out of this year? The first year Chris Ash is here, the first year Pat Hobbs is here. What did you take out of this compared to being here with Kyle Flood uh, the last two years? I think what you and I have talked about, and I think it's no secret to the fans, is the for the last six months it's been refreshing, brutal honesty from Chris Ash. And that's it's a nice change for us. It's not just that Kyle Flood wasn't like that, but most coaches aren't like right. that. And so the idea when we talked to him about the quarterback battle, I didn't, I couldn't, I was stunned. I couldn't even ask follow-up questions. He was talking about throwing a bomb in the quarterback's room uh, by bringing in Zach Allen and about uh, how short his leash will be and about two quarterback systems. And it all sounded like the truth. Like this is a man trying to figure out his quarterback battle uh, and he's not just going to uh, make a decision and stick with it and, you know, be blindly loyal and stuff that frustrated fans, media, and, uh, the, and players alike. So uh, I think that was my big takeaway is just kind of how honest Chris Ash was about a lot of different. We mentioned that. We, I asked him about a Rutgers-Maryland rivalry. He tells me there's a trophy game in the works. I mean, I, I didn't even know that. I just thought there might be. So, uh, yeah, just real honest guy. I expected honesty from him. I didn't expect it to be that brutal, which is another word you used. Now, the last couple years with Kyle Flood, he's been very good to us at these things. He gave us everything we needed Certainly. at these media days, went out of his way to talk to us. We appreciated that. The honesty wasn't a word that comes to mind with me when it's really, I felt like we were pretty obviously being lied to about quarterbacks, about Darius Hamilton's health. And this year, I thought we got more honest answers. Now, when I say brutal, you're right, whether it's me, you know, I think I was the first one that brought it up on the TV thing about quarterbacks and then you following up at the podium. Yep. He really ripped into yeah. Chris Laviano and Hayden Reddick, and I didn't expect him to be as aggressively negative towards mm-hmm. those guys, but he has to be because no, no one won the job. Well, Chris Ash's big thing is competition, right? I mean, that's the biggest thing. That's why we, that's why we see the dunk contest videos on the our football Twitter account. That's why we see you know, the weight room competitions. That's why there's the Champions Club. That's everything he does is about competition. So he, it shouldn't surprise us that he brought in Zach Allen to light a fire under Chris Laviano and Hayden Reddick. And I think he said something along the lines yesterday of it's worked. I mean, he's seen a different attitude, approach, mentality, uh, work ethic from the other five guys who were in the room before Zach got there since Zach got there. It's just kind of a wake-up call. Like, hey, it might not just be one of the five of us. And I might not be one injury away. I might be two injuries away. So I, uh, I definitely think that that's been interesting the way, like you said, it, it's not like uh, Kyle was very accommodating to us, but you had to dig a little deeper with Chris. And he's almost making our jobs easy. He yeah. keeps saying we're easy on him. Well, if he's going to make it that easy on us, well, hey, Rutgers fans might like this year. Well, one thing that's not easy, and the last thing I want to touch on here, the, if you're not into the little insider media stuff, just skip ahead 60 seconds. But uh, the media policies are really different for training camp this year, which you guys are going to see soon. We're not going to be there every day at training camp. I mean, you and I spent, what, 30, 40 hours yeah. at Rutgers training camp the last couple yeah. years. We're not going to have that this year. How do you react, as, especially as a newspaper guy, to having our access cut down the way it is? It's tough. I mean, I get why he does it. A lot of coaches are... Uh, by nature, I guess, for lack of a better word, paranoid. They don't want their secrets out for their opponents to 
uh, to see. He doesn't, he doesn't want us writing every single thing so that Washington, all they have to do is read your site or read my site, and they have all the secrets, and he doesn't know anything about their practice. So I get why they do it. I mean, it's tough. It's an adjustment, right? I mean, but at least, I, on the other hand, at least we're not the Michigan media where Jim Harbaugh goes into a bunker for a month and we don't hear from him. We do get to see a decent amount. We know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. You know a lot of people who will be at the practices. So we'll get our information. And, I mean, obviously uh, obviously it's going to be a little different, but I understand the adjustment, I understand the adjustment that's had to be made. And uh, I think uh, we'll see six hours, and we'll get a good feel in that hours. There's three or four things we all care about, right? We care about the depth chart. We care about injuries. We'll get a feel for that when we're out there. I agree. I, I think that I've said this before a lot of times on the site, talking to you guys, whatever, that it's, I get that this is what Ohio State does, but Rutgers isn't Ohio State. I think we saw it in spring by the end of the, the year when me, you, and two other guys were the only people still covering the team. And I think you're going to see that again in training camp. But if Chris Ash doesn't care, he doesn't care. So that's fine. Chris Ash's opinion basically is when we win, people will be there and you know what it's good for people like me and you because then you know the readers and stuff they have to come to us and we want to be the voices of the program so that's kind of kind of helps us right uh ryan i asked the same three questions to every person i interview at the end i know people enjoyed listening to the rutgers players reactions last week on this one uh you went to rutgers just like i did a couple years before I did graduate and you worked for the daily Targum just like I did and I'm sure you got in a lot of trouble in college just <laughs> like I did uh, when you look back at your Rutgers career who would you say is your favorite Rutgers athlete whether it's someone that you watched as, as a fan someone you covered I have a guess on what your answer is going to be oh uh, it's a great guess. obviously I I mean if you read my coverage in the last year you know I really liked Leontay Carew yep. that's probably your guess it I is. mean I just thought you know, totally neutrally speaking, as a as a writer, he was a fun guy to cover because everything he said was just a headline waiting to happen. He was brash, right out of that wide receiver NFL mode of T.O. Chad Ochocinco. I mean, that's who he was, and he owned it, and I loved it. And uh, you know, just being in the press box every time he caught the ball it was a touchdown waiting to happen. I mean, he was a fun guy to cover. Uh, if I went way way back, <laughs> one of my first daily Targum interviews ever was Ricky Shields, a star for the basketball team in the early 2000s. Uh, he was the first person I ever n- talked to who used uh, his name in the third person. He referred to himself as Ricky Shields, and the, we hit it off, and obviously, you know, we were the same age, uh, both freshmen the same year, so I really like covering Ricky Shields. Those probably are probably are some of the best ones I've, uh, one, some of the best ones I dealt with. How about, well, this can be either sports or just your memories as a student since you went there. What's your favorite, like, memory or moment at Rutgers, something that sticks with you? From a sports perspective, I, you know, I traveled with the Targum uh, on the football beat just like you did. Uh, but I, when I did it, Rutgers wasn't very good. It was Greg Shiano's early 10 years. One of the f- memories from a sports perspective that sticks out is uh, going to Tennessee when Rutgers almost upset Tennessee in 2002, Nate Jones returned the kickoff, opening kickoff, seeing 102,000 people for the first time in my life, all in the same burnt orange color of Tennessee or bright orange color. That was cool. Rutgers almost upset number one Miami that year. They were, they were Rutgers was terrible. They won one game, but they had a lot of kids who just tried really hard. The Gary Brackett, LJ Smiths. Uh, Nate Jones, and they were winning that game 17-14 at the end of three quarters. It would have been like maybe college football's biggest upset of all time. And obviously, I would say just from a personal perspective, lots of good times at 60 Gildan Street. 
uh, with my college roommates who are still, you know, they were still my be- they were my best men in my wedding last year. I think college is about you know bonds and stuff, and we had we had great times getting in a little bit of trouble, like you said. All right, last question, Ryan. If if I give you one more meal at Rutgers, where are you eating and what are you ordering? Ugh. Uh, you're a very strange eater, so uh, yeah. I look forward to this. Uh, answer. You and I do not get to eat together very often, being that we have very opposite diets. Yeah. Uh, I'm of the Joey Tribbiani from Friends school of fried stuff with cheese. Um, Good reference. I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, I would say, obviously, I think the most popular answers are the grease trucks and stuff your face. And I mean, I, I can't really argue with those. The Fat Beach at, uh, at uh, the grease trucks got me through, I don't know, probably twice a week uh, dinner. Um, but PJ's, PJ's Pizza on Easton Ave, live right around the corner from where I lived. I, uh, I, I mean, pretty much on the walk home from the Targum to my house every night, I got two slices. So I would say some combination of, if I could drive down Easton Ave and put together a fat beach with a couple of slices from PJ's, I'd probably be in heaven. All right, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Sam. All right, thanks again to Ryan Dunleavy for joining us with our uh, interview segment this week. And now as we transition into the news, I welcome Scarlet Report executive staff writer Garrett Stepien into the fold. Garrett, what's going on? Executive. I like the I like the name. Well, I'm the boss, so I get to make things up. It might change to something different next week. It kind of depends. Good by me. We're going to jump right into the news this week. And this week, our uh, Scarlet Report recruiting profile falls upon Geo Baker, the newest commitment to Rutgers basketball, the first commitment to Steve Peichel in the 2017 class. This is a big get. Garrett, you covered basketball last year for the Targum. You've seen the issues that Rutgers has at guard. It's kind of Corey Sanders than everyone else. So what do you think about this pickup? I, I like it. Not even past just what they have on the roster right now, but I think back to last year um, when we were covering the beat and – Throughout like the first half of the season, basically, they had no one after the decommitment of Quay Parker, obviously. And at that point, it just took a while for Rutgers to get the ball rolling with recruiting. For Steve Peichel to you know, go out and be aggressive on the recruiting trail and come away with a commitment this early on, I didn't know if they were going to get one this early, but they did. It's, it's an impressive get, by all means. Yeah, I, I compare this commitment to Corey Sanders' commitment, not because I think they're similar players, because they're not, but in terms of what it means. And, you know, Eddie Jordan's first real, real year in recruiting, he picked out Sanders early. Sanders wasn't a huge recruit when it comes to the ratings, when it comes to the schools that were legitimately after him. And the same thing goes for Geo Baker. But what he represents is he represents Rutgers identifying a top target early and going and getting him. Look at look at football where, you know, Jonathan Lewis isn't, you know, we're not talking about a superstar Jarek Garantano type quarterback here, but he was a top target that they said we want him, we're going to get him. So that's what they did with Geo Baker. I love that they closed him this early because now you can sign him in the early signing period. It's one less kid to worry about. You know, it fills a couple needs for them. When I look at Geo Baker, you say, you know, what is Rutgers getting here? Well, Steve Peichel told me, and he obviously can't go into too much detail because he can't talk about recruits. He told me there's two things we need right now. We need point guards and we need shooters. And Geo Baker is both. He's not a natural point guard. You know, we're not talking about Gary Payton here, but he's a guy that can be a point guard if they need him to be. 
but he doesn't have to be a point guard. He can be a, a two guard, a shooter. They're still going after guys like Alvarado in this class, and if you get him, great. You have two ball handlers because my concern, and I mean, Garrett, you'll probably, you probably thought this was funny too. Steve Peichel said that right now Issa Theon would be the backup point guard, and that kind of tells you where they are because Issa's a 6'8", small forward with no college experience, so it tells you where Rutgers is at point guard. Yeah, and I think you don't know. I think Corey Sanders, is he needs another year of development even after this year, but beyond that, you don't really know if he's going to leave early, you know, junior year, if he would stick around for a senior year. For Peichel to get his guy this early on, and a guy who, you know, 6'4 six, six and can shoot the ball like he can, and like you said, some versatility, can move from point guard to shooting guard if he has to, too. Um, it's a good move, obviously, this early on. First off, as far as 6'4", yeah, I mean, that's what they say. We'll see how actual 6'4 he is or how tall he is when he gets to Rutgers next year, assuming he does. But here's the reason why I assume he does get to Rutgers and doesn't flip somewhere if some other schools come on board late. He's used to the building process. He's not afraid of losing games early to build towards the greater good. He is on an AAU program, the uh, the Blue Devil, DC Blue Devils of New Hampshire, that, you know what, they weren't a real big-time program, and they're still not a huge program. They're not one of those huge Nike-sponsored teams, but he was willing to go there and build something instead of taking the easy way out and committing to one of those super-branded AAU programs. So if he's willing to build once, I think he's willing to do it again. Garrett, what are you, what's your final thought on Geo? Yeah, you kind of hit the nail um... You kind of hit the nail right with the hammer there. Um, you mentioned in the article when you actually talked to Gio and his um, his AAU director, um, really under the radar kid. I didn't, I hadn't heard of him at all. I'm not really that much into basketball recruiting, but yeah, I, man, I, I neither are most of our I fans. I hadn't really heard of him at all up until this point. And you know, the more that I looked into him, and the more that I couldn't find out what height he was because I saw six one, six two, six three, and then eventually six four in this article that that you put together. Um, no, I mean, I, I like it. I like the pickup. I think he'll stick around, too, because, like you, like you mentioned, he's been through a build before, and for him to commit this early on into that build, I think he really bought into, you know, what Peichel's preaching right now. And, you know, it's it's a good pickup for Rutgers going ahead and can, you know, obviously build some early momentum in his first recruiting class. As we call it, the ballad of Darius Stills, a classic modern recruiting story, Garrett, one of your first real recruiting snafus or adventures that you've probably been a part of since you started doing this stuff. To catch you up, if you aren't familiar, if you don't follow recruiting, Darius Stills from Fairmont, West Virginia. His father starred for the West Virginia Mountaineers in college. His younger brother is, I believe, the number 11 defensive end in the country in 2018. Well, Darius Stills commits to Rutgers on Saturday. He's the 21st commitment to the program. He called it the best decision of his life. He told me that he felt in his heart when he was there that this is where he needed to be. And this is why I say to take all recruiting interviews with a grain of salt, because 48 hours later, he's committed to West Virginia. It was kind of an only a matter of time kind of thing. Fans should be used to this stuff by now. It happens to teams all the time. It's it's really the third or fourth time I remember it happening since I've covered team, just weird flips and stuff like that. But, Garrett, this was the first one that you've been through. What did you take from this? Well, the one thing that I look at with commits, and you know, I don't really follow many of them 
on Twitter because honestly, like they can get pretty annoying. Yeah, Dar- the, the best day of the year is on signing day when you unfollow all the kids that signed to other the, schools. The, the the thing with like Darius Stills is like I don't I don't, I didn't follow the kid and like he still ended up like all over my timeline and like I see like everything about like well first I was surprised when he committed as early as he did because I thought he was going to sit on that announcement date and hold out for a West Virginia offer. I obviously don't know what happened uh, behind closed doors at the barbecue event, but to me it seemed like what I saw on Twitter from the kid was just like kind of it was almost like he was trying to like tell himself and like make himself believe that like you know Rutgers was like the place or like kind of like trying to sell to like West Virginia like hey like I really like Rutgers please offer me and like it just to me like the commitment seemed fabricated from the jump and I wasn't surprised at all that it happened to you I was honestly surprised that it didn't happen sooner that day when he was offered by West Virginia but yeah, it's it's the second time now for Chris Ash that you've seen him go out on a limb for a kid a little bit. I mean, Darius Stills is a good football player that he camped well at Rutgers, and it's a position of need, but it's not a kid that Rutgers had to get. Rutgers, it seemed like, was on the fence in terms of if they want to take him or not. That was what I got from it. And then they decided to, you know what, yeah, let's get him. Let's get this done. And it came out came back to bite them. It's exactly what happened with Cora Bidrizi, the Bergen Catholic tight end, back in January, where Rutgers is kind of doing a favor for Nunzio Campanelli for Bergen Catholic. You know, he's a good football player, he's a good kid, but it wasn't a kid that they really needed, so they go out on a limb and they decide to go ahead and offer him and get his commitment, and then by the end of the week, he's committed to Boston College, where Anthony Campanelli is an assistant coach. So, it's something that I guess Chris Ash will continue to learn as a head coach, but at the same time, like it's really not a big deal to me. If this is the first decommitment that you have, like, oh well, at least it wasn't Bo Melton or Micah Clark or Jonathan Lewis. If anything, I think this helps Rutgers. The perception's embarrassing for a day or two, but I guarantee you that everyone outside of Rutgers fans has already forgotten that this ever happened by the time you listen to this thing. If anything, it's good because now Rutgers has at least five, six more spots in the class, and you have guys like Micah Clark and Bo Melton saying, oh, we had a decommitment, let's rally together and step this up a notch. So for, I don't think it's a big deal. No, and I mean, you mentioned Korab Idrizi from, you know, BC, and I, you mentioned that the other day, and I didn't even know who you were talking about at first, and like, I remember when it happened a week before signing day, like, this is so far away from signing day, and it wasn't, like you mentioned, it wasn't a big guy. So, I mean, um, I think Rutgers fans will forget about it by the time this podcast even you know, hits, the, hits the airwaves. Yeah, it's going to be one of those things where it's just a statistic at the end of the year when you're counting the decommitments from every school. So the, I guess the other question is where does Rutgers go from here at defensive tackle on the defensive line? They're back down to two commits in 2017. Obviously, there's the... The big names, the Fred Hansards, Corey Bowles, Axel Nyambwe. Down Obvi- Wade Perry. Yeah. Obviously, Rutgers is still going for these guys, but my eyes are now on Brendan Bordner. We talked about him a little bit in the open. That's the next guy I think that Rutgers should be going after because he's a defensive end, but he's also, I believe he's about 6'4", 245, which to me screams three-tech by the time he's a junior, so he could play multiple positions. I'm not really worried about the Rutgers defensive line with this decommitment.
closing out the news here, I just want to talk very briefly and play a clip for you from Rutgers Athletic Director Pat Hobbs. I, I think that having a vocal athletic director, someone that's in the public eye, is just so important. I personally learned that in the transition from Bob Mulcahy to Tim Pernetti. I felt like Pernetti was able to energize the fan base in such a way just because he was always out in public, always out at events. He was active on social media. And now that we've transitioned from Julie Herman to Pat Hobbs, I feel like that's back and that's where a lot of the energy is coming from, from Rutgers donors and from just casual Rutgers fans and Rutgers students. Now, Pat Hobbs isn't on Twitter like Pernetti was, but in a lot of other ways, he's just so much more accessible. I'm of the opinion that it's important to hear your athletic director's voice whenever possible. And that's why I want to play something briefly for you that comes again from Big Ten Media Day. This is the final Big Ten Media Day thing you're going to hear from me because finally training camp is here and I'm really excited to be talking real football instead of football players wearing suits. But I I asked Pat Hobbs, I guess it was a little bit of a personal question, and I thought his answer was so good that people might enjoy just hearing it from him. You feel more like a football guy now that you're here. Um, Yeah, you know, look, um, I I think it's a great question. Um, You're always learning, um, whether it's basketball, whether it's football. Um, you know, we're the, we're, we, I, I benefit by having a tremendous coach who's been part of some of the best programs, the iconic programs in the country. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's a business side to it. I've always been comfortable with the business side of football, the business side of basketball. Um, you know, an athletic department is a $75 million annual proposition. Um, you've got to use those resources wisely. I've always been very confident in my abilities to do that. Um, it's frankly more fun uh, having football than just ha- not, you know, not having football. So I'm really excited about the upcoming season. You've got mail. Welcome to the Rutgers Mailbag, our weekly question and answer segment between myself and you, the Rutgers football and basketball faithful. The best way to get your question in to the show is through scarletreport.com and our premium message boards. If you're a member, you get priority. You are my top dogs, my P1s, as they call it in the professional radio business. That's where our questions came this week. And for future questions, you can always tweet me at Sam Hellman Scout at Scarlet Report or email me shelman at scout.com. But let's get into the questions. And our on-topic question this week, as you know, we go on-topic and off-topic having a little fun. Our on-topic question this week comes from Scarlet Report member DJ Spanky, and in essence, he asks, what are your expectations for crowd attendance this fall? Well, Spanky and everyone, to be honest, I expect the attendance to be similar to the last few years in the Big Ten. Uh, Rutgers is energized as a fan base right now, especially at the student level. You've heard Garrett, our new member, talk about that a couple times, that He's never seen this amount of buzz on campus from a student perspective. Now, does that mean they're going to be on time for a noon kick on September 10th against Howard? No chance. But by the time 1 o'clock rolls around, that 10,000-seat student section is going to have 12,000 people in it. I think that overall it's going to be similar where it's a week-by-week thing unless Rutgers starts winning. You guys know I don't expect the biggest winning season for Rutgers, which is really the biggest way to draw up new attendance. 
Rutgers is bringing in more and more quality people with Big Ten experience, and they have some really good marketing people, Jeff Brown, Mike Greengarten, guys that do a really good job. So when you combine all that, I expect this, the fan experience to be better. I still expect it to be a total nightmare getting on River Road after that Penn State game, I'll tell you that. But when I look at the schedule, I see, you know, you open against Howard, it's the opener, there's the curiosity factor. Even if you lose against Washington, I think that you'll be pushing 50000 for that game just because it's Chris Ash's first game. If you look at Kyle Flood's first game, it was similar circumstances, although they had beaten Tulane on the road. And they did pretty well attendance-wise. Then you go into New Mexico, which I don't think will be that well attended as a noon game. And then you have your first potential sellout, and that's Iowa. I don't call that a sellout because of just Rutgers. I think Iowa is a fan base that's going to travel very well from Iowa City, Coralville area. Tons of alums on the East Coast that, you know, it's a lot easier to get to uh, New Jersey than it is to get to Iowa. I think that Michigan and Penn State are locks to sell out, especially... Michigan at night, prime time, maybe the students will even show up on time. So I guess just in general to answer this question, I think that the attendance will be similar to last year. The only way I see Rutgers packing it and selling it out every week is if Rutgers really starts winning. That's how it worked in 2006, but you got to keep in mind that in 2006, it was a 43,000-seat stadium. That was pre-expansion. Going off topic, uh, another Scarlet Report member, this time from Rutgers 05, he had a couple quick questions that I guess I can answer quickly. He asks, what's your favorite grease truck sandwich? What's your favorite New Brunswick bar to go to? And what's your least favorite New Brunswick bar to go to? I I guess we'll start with the grease trucks because, hey, I'm a Rutgers grad. Where else am I going to start? I think that the best and the most artful sandwich is the original, the Fat Daryl. I mean, how can you go wrong? Personally, my go-to order is the uh, the Fat India, it's called. It's It's got a falafel on it instead of chicken. I'm a big, big fan of falafel, so it's all your traditional grease trucks garbage shoved in there, but with falafel, so I, I love that. Throw some extra hot sauce on there, and I'm a happy camper, although I certainly miss the days of $5 fat sandwiches now that it's like 20 bucks to get one. Uh, as far as my favorite bar in New Brunswick... Um, Unfortunately, I can't just pick my old college house, I guess. Uh, The kinds of drinks that I get don't take a rocket scientist to make, so I'm not a big bar guy. But I always appreciated the Olive Branch. It was a little bit calmer than the other college bars. And, I mean, you had some great deals, dollar pizza slices and pretty decent food. It was a good place to spend a Sunday watching football if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, I knew enough people that worked there either through athletics or just through being a student there that I could usually walk away with a couple free drinks and Sam likes free things. Uh, As far as my least favorite, I I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a big bar guy, especially in a place like New Brunswick. Um, Just such a pain driving and parking and dealing with all that stuff. But I uh, Harvest Moon was big with a lot of my friends in school. And then as I started graduating, I never really got it. I'm a I'm a skin flint, so I don't like the whole cover charge thing. Well, if you've made it this far, you're either insane or a true Rutgers Scoutcast super fan. And either way, I really appreciate it. I have a couple requests or a couple opportunities for you, the listener. Uh, some unique opportunities 
really do check out fanessentials.net. I'm not just promoting that because it benefits me. I'm promoting that because it's pretty cool. If you're a guy that likes gear or if your kid likes gear, this is a pretty easy way to get involved. And then you kind of have the surprise of what's coming every month. You know, what's in the box? What's in the box? I, I, I would check it out. Something that I request every week, and please do so this week as well, is to thank our guests that come on this podcast so it's not like they're just wasting their time. So please just go ahead and shoot Ryan Dunleavy a thanks on Twitter, at R-Y-Dunleavy, D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Y. You can get all of his training camp coverage, obviously the second best coverage on the beat, as you know. Uh, Also, I know I say it a lot, and some people have listened, and I really appreciate it. It only takes a couple seconds to hop on iTunes and or Stitcher and toss us a five-star review. It builds the show. It helps me out a lot personally, and it's not a big inconvenience for you. So I would appreciate anyone that's able to do that. Just search for the Rutgers ScoutCast. I'm proud to say that if you type Rutgers into iTunes, we're what comes up, and that's the best way for us to build the show, and that's good news for Rutgers too. Next week, the obvious focal point will be Rutgers football training camp. We'll be a few practices in and getting ready for that open practice for you guys. So I expect to make this kind of a uh, primer of what to watch at the open practice, how things have gone early in camp. I expect scout national recruiting analyst Brian Doan back on the show next week. But until then, I am Scarlet Report publisher and the host of the Rutgers Scoutcast, Sam Hellman. Humbly yours. Thanks for listening.